Hello and welcome to the Zetamar podcast. Today, January the 28th, 2022. We have two guests today. Piers Pigu, an analyst with Crisis Group and on the Caballigado project, will be joining me to discuss the latest developments with Mozambique's regional allies in the counterinsurgency in Cabo Delgado. The topic is particularly relevant in the light of news that we published yesterday that Rwanda has asked the EU for financial support for its mission and that Lesotho is considering pulling out unless it can get outside financial help for its deployment. First, though, Mozambican journalist Fernando Lima is joining me to discuss today's headlines. As well as being one of Mozambique's leading journalists, Fernando is the chairman of MediaCoop, the publisher of weekly, weekly newspaper Savannah, whose front page today carries a picture of former President Armando Gabuza. This, Fernando, is again a tale of two presidents in the context of the hidden debts trial going on in the BO prison in Matola. Neither of the two presidents wants to testify, but Gabuza at least is being forced to do so. We've got two stories in Savannah today about the hidden debts trial. One is uh, focusing on the point that the judge is determined to call former Minister Alberto Mondlane um, when the article suggests that perhaps Nusi would have been more relevant to explain how the operational command worked around the, uh, the companies set up by the hidden debts. The other story, which is the front page splash, uh, is about Amanda Gabuza and apparently a move to get him to testify at home in private which apparently is a move being pushed by the supporters of Nusi rather than the supporters of Gabuza uh, because they're worried about what his testimony, Gabuza's testimony, might do for Nusi. Can you explain further? Well, I fully agree uh, with you that uh, Mr. Nusi is much more important than Minister uh, Mondan. Yes, the Ministry of Interior was part of the project still uh, the company of the ministry, Dalu Construções, was never in a good position to join the project. And so the participation of the Ministry of Interior was not as relevant as the, the Ministry of Defense and the former minister himself. So, uh, yes, the, 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 the question, it makes more sense of, uh, that uh, Mr. Nussi should be present at trial instead of uh, former Minister uh, Mondan. On the issue of uh, the pres uh, president, former President uh, Gebusa, uh, in, a, in an early moment, uh, loyalists to Mr. Gebusa tried to have him out of court, tried to have him not to testify. Since it seems they lost that battle, since they also seem to have lost uh, the battle to have this parity between the testimony of Mr. Nussi and Mr. Gebusa, it seems that Mr. Gebusa himself now do not want to testify in private. Yes, he wants to go to uh, BO and make a public statement. And since this will, uh, this will be televised uh, intervention, you will have the whole country to listen his own views on the, on the project, uh, despite whatever kind of questions would be asked by the judge, by the attorneys, by the different uh, lawyers, but he will have his own chance 
to present his own views on this very sensitive matter. And this testimony of uh, Armando Cabuza has been hotly awaited among the Mozambican people. Do you think at this stage uh, it's going to be possible to uh, keep it under wraps if that's what the current government wants to do? It, it seems like there would probably be an outcry if that's, if that's what happened. I think there are uh, mixed feelings about uh, that statement of Mr. Gibuza. Uh, in uh, private meetings or in closed-door uh, meetings, I think uh, supporters of Mr. Nusi have handled very, very well uh, those meetings and have the Gebuza camp uh, isolated. But uh, this is a completely new, uh, new ground and this will be uh, public. So this will be for Frelimo militants, but also for the public in, in, in general. And it's not completely clear that uh, Mr. Nussi has majoritarian uh, public support in his handling uh, of the country. So it's uh, a much more difficult issue to manage and to control politically as parties with, uh, within Frelimo tradition want to do it, meaning when they go for something, they want to know previously what the outcome it will be. And that's, in my view, it's what Mr. Gebusa and his supporters are counting on that uh, there will be enough people that trust former president, trust the project, and there is this emerging narrative that the project, the security coastal project, was a good one, and it's not the fact that a number of people, including people within the entourage of Mr. Gebusa, they appropriate money out of the project. This uh, does not mean that the project was not a very good, uh, a very good one. Okay, we need to talk about uh, politics in Mozambique. We're, we're getting uh, more than halfway through the five-year electoral cycle. It's actually next year we've got um, the provincial elections, I believe. Um, and the year after it'll be presidential elections again already, and we don't know who's going to be the candidate. Is it even going to be Nusi? Um, more questions, but for another day, I think. Just before we finish today, uh, I'd like to come to a story about some a number of convictions for uh, allegedly being members of the uh, insurgency in Cabo Delgado. I say allegedly because uh, I feel very unsure about this one. Um, a number of people who were involved in a boat that, that sank in Pemba Bay uh, two year, almost two years ago um, have been on trial for suspected involvement in the insurgency and have been given sentences of up to 30 years in jail. The article I've read, the report I've read on the sentencing is light on detail, but it doesn't seem on the face of it as if there was much evidence that these people really were uh, anything to do with the insurgency. Do you agree with my take on that, Fernando? Well, it seems to me that this trial is a, is a mockery because if you want to be transparent and if you want 
to provide evidence on uh, these people being involved with the insurgency, you, you should be more uh, transparent. You should allow the press to deal with, uh, with the court trial and also to have the press to have access to, uh, to the details. So at this point, I myself am a bit confused uh, if this uh, boat was coming with, uh, with, with drugs to come across the country and being then uh, sent to South Africa or if this was related to support of the insurgency based on messages that have been found on some of the cells uh, they have been captured by police. Any other evidence, as far as I'm aware, was not provided. So uh, I'm not quite clear about uh, this trial, about the evidence, about the, the, the origins, who are uh, those people. No, there's a lot of black holes in, uh, in this whole process. Yeah, well, I do hope that this um, this case gets the proper scrutiny from uh, human rights bodies and the Bar Association in Mozambique, because um, I think there has been a tendency to try and get convictions for conviction's sake in, in Cabo Delgado, although I, I obviously am not in a position to say if that's what has happened in this particular instance. Okay, Fernando, thanks ever so much. Um, I'll be back talking to you next week, I'm sure. Joining me now is Piers Pigou, an analyst with Crisis Group and working on the Cabligado project. He wrote for the latest monthly report about the SADC mission in Mozambique, the Southern African Development Community. Um, he'd seen a, a report which informed some of the discussions at a SADC summit earlier this month, where they agreed on publicly a three-month extension, although most people are talking about um, a six-month extension. Uh, hello, Piers. Thanks, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, hi, Todd. Can, can we um, turn to that confusion first? Is this is this a three month or a, or a six month extension that they've they've agreed on? Well, the communique does not specify, which you know has led to a certain amount of speculation as to what uh, is really in play. The, the The mandate of of the mission as set out in the status of force agreement allows for extensions it, uh, after the first three-month deployment, which we saw in October. So we saw another three-month deployment. So the expectation was there'd be a time frame. That hasn't been put on there, but the, the reading is that this will be uh, most likely a six-month extension. But of course, given the financial situation uh, uh, and uh, the limitations of, of financing, the current arrangement allows uh, for other decisions to be made within that period, of course. So... Uh, I think the intention was to provide some measure of flexibility uh, to where the mission goes next. Right. And I think it's the financing, which is maybe the most interesting topic for us today, given in the light of a couple of uh, stories that have come out this week. One from Lesotho, which I think makes clear something that wasn't clear in my mind, or perhaps it already was in yours, that, that each country is just financing its own participation. And Lesotho, or at least their finance minister, seems pretty unsure that 
they are going to be able to continue doing that. What do you think the implications of that would be if, if Lesotho were to pull out and, and what solutions might there be for financing their continued participation and that of other members of the mission? Yes, Tom, this is a, this is a, a major issue uh, because, of course, you know, we have a sustainability uh, challenge in play. And certainly countries like Lesotho that were already in financial distress as a result of its own economic challenges and uh, exacerbated by COVID and so forth, and this is replicated at, at, across the region, uh, has put a really tight squeeze on the fiscus. Uh, so unless Lesotho is able to se- secure some kind of subsidy from elsewhere uh, for this, and, and, and there are possibly some options uh, to be explored there. It will not be able to continue self-financing this. Uh, South Africa is and Botswana uh, appear to be able to continue to provide some kind of underwriting for their funding and, and the smaller contingents from, from uh, places like Angola. Uh, Tanzanians is unclear as well. But, but ultimately, this is a huge challenge and, and, and has manifested in the limited uh, deployment that we've seen of the Salmon Mission really, you know, still only about 1,100 men in the field out of a potential 3,000 that could be put there. And, of course, the absence of other supporting logistical and, and support assets uh, that are required to make the mission more effective. So it's, uh, we're, we're kind of seeing counterinsurgency on the cheap uh, from SADC at the moment, and there is a real need to address this financing option. And uh, uh, it doesn't look as though there's anything specifically in the pipeline at this juncture. Yeah. Now, two days ago in uh, Brussels, the head of the EU's military uh, joint staff, I don't entirely understand how that works, there's no EU military, but uh, a, a French uh, naval officer, Hervé Blejean, giving testimony to a parliamentary select committee, um, particularly about the EU's military involvement in Mozambique. They're doing training um, training of the Mozambican military in Shimoyu and in Katembe in Maputo. He was frustrated that EU soldiers are not getting their boots on the ground in Cabo Delgado. But he also dropped an intriguing uh, little line in that um, Rwanda has asked for EU funding for its mission in, in Cabo Delgado, which has been very successful so far. What's your what's your take on whether that might happen, and might there be a possibility for the EU to share some funding with the SADC mission? Because SADC at least are um, putting its people in harm's way, uh, unlike the Europeans. Yeah, uh, I mean a few things uh, out of this. Certainly, we 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 have heard and from a number of sources now that uh, uh, an approach has been made by the Rwandans to the EU to access support through the European Peace Facility. Now, there may well be several member states of the EU that are in favour of that. And, and, and of course, it comes as no surprise that the French would be uh, uh, giving this uh, a certain amount of, of support in this. But, you know, the application or the request can be made. The EU can, can uh, chew on that and make a recommendation. But ultimately, it's the member states in consensus that have to support a decision uh, one way or the other. And, you know, there, there's unlikely at this juncture to be consensus about supporting Rwanda amongst those member states. There'll be differences of opinion. So that that that, that process uh, is certainly not a shoo-in for, for funding for Rwanda. The EU has made it clear from the first time that 
the Mozambicans made their approaches in September uh, 2020 for assistance, which has, has led to the EUTM, the training mission, uh, that they were keen to see how best they could kind of connect their support to Rwanda to support the SADC. But they've struggled to get traction within SADC, which seems to reflect internal divisions or a lack of consensus within SADC about the nature of support that it would want from the EU. And there is a tradition, uh, a traditional kind of posture within SADC of being quite hands-off about engagement in the security field. Uh, the security and defence uh, uh, sector, or in certain aspects of that. Um, so whilst uh, the EU certainly have made it clear to SADC that the door is open for an application uh, of, of this nature, one has not been put on the table yet. Uh, so it's unclear how these different parts could come together, but ultimately that would be the best arrangement, is to have some kind of support that tried to underwrite and connect the different missions that are in play, but also tied much more closely to the EUTM in terms of how those that are being trained by the Europeans are then mentored in the field, perhaps by Rwandan or Salmon troops, because the EU, with its own legal requirements, will not be allowed to put its boots on the ground there. But the EU also has to dance around considerations about uh, around human rights violations and concerns about how its support uh, uh, might lend to to human rights violations as well with the joint missions. So there's there's a number of things that still need to be worked out. But there are some uh, there certainly are some some uh, blue sky options there. But this would require a level of commitment and engagement from all the different factors: the Mozambicans, the Rwandans, and all the uh, member states involved uh, in SADC. Uh, that seems a bit of a tall order right now. Yeah. And one of the things uh, in the background of all this is the um, the suggestion that Rwanda is there basically to protect the the gas project, which is particularly a, a big project being run by French oil and gas company Total or Total Energies, as it's now known. So there's there's a view that you know, this is obviously more important to the French, I guess, than the rest of the EU. The French have other interests in the Indian Ocean as well, um, with um, French islands, Mayotte and Réunion. But I think if um, if the French were seen to be financing uh, Rwanda to basically protect a big fossil fuel project, um, this would cause quite a lot of outcry in, in the European Union. And I guess they would be unlikely to bring all the European partners with them, do you think? Well, I think that's a that's a fair uh, uh, that's a you know that's a fair reflection of 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 a, a primary concern that that, that is, is emerging now in terms of this kind of two tier security response uh, with a kind of green zone around around the interests of the LNG sector uh, there and the the rest of the province sort of having to uh, using that term again. <laughs> deal with the counterinsurgency on the cheap, so to speak. So, you know, ideally, uh, one would like to see improved cooperation and coordination uh, with the Rwandans as part of the broader uh, counterinsurgency uh, operations in Cabo Delgado, particularly as the salmon forces are spread so thin at the moment uh, and are not going to get adequate kind of support from, from, from FADM. Uh, in in that situation. So, yes, I think if the Rwandans are really that keen on getting some support, they're going to have to demonstrate more clearly that the commitments that we've seen made since October about improved 
coordination uh, and interaction with salmon forces, you know, which led to the establishment of a, a joint operations uh, control uh, command in, in Moeda, we understand. Uh, that we would like to see, I think that the, the Europeans would be more open to support in different directions uh, if they could see a more integrated uh, response in terms of counterinsurgency operations on the ground. At the moment, it, it, it looks as though these distinct uh, geographical jurisdictions leading to what was uh, surmised in the last Cabo Ligado weekly, that, you know, Salmon's doing the, the, the heavy counterinsurgency operations at the moment while, while Rwanda is, is, is playing more of a, a kind of a, a, a peacekeeping uh, role on, in, in the areas that it has uh, liberated. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fluid situation, Tom, and, and one which we'll have to w- watch closely. It may well result in Salmon forces uh, not being able to sustain their presence uh, in the area. But that, of course, has significant implications uh, for the security uh, strategy that the Mozambicans may have uh, with respect to how this is playing out. We're unclear at this juncture how long Mozambique would ideally like uh, the salmon forces to be in play and in their own thinking at what point they may be able to take over responsibility for the operations that salmon is conducting at the moment right yeah that makes a lot of sense um like you say that if if instead of having two missions one of them a, a very successful random mission to protect the strategic districts of palmer and Masimbo de prior and then uh this um rather more struggling Samian mission that's trying to protect the rest of the province. If they brought them together, it might be a more a more compelling uh, proposition for, for for money from the European Union. Yes, I think that, that that's absolutely the case. And 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 uh, you know, I, I I you know, I want to emphasize at this point that that, that the the salmon troops in, in are operating in a way which was not designed, that, that you've got, uh, you know, the point role being played by special forces operators from, from primarily Botswana and, and, and South Africa and Tanzania. And, and, and whilst those forces are elite forces, uh, generally the kind of role that they play would, would, would be complementary to uh, other counterinsurgency assets on the ground. And those assets are simply not on the ground. So they're doing the heavy lifting. Uh, which they which they have a distinct competency to do, uh, but it does limit other things that are absolutely critical at the gr- uh, on the ground right now, particularly in that kind of terrain in terms of uh, long range reconnaissance work, intelligence gathering, the kind of work that special forces uh, would be expected to do, and are, is absolutely critical in a context like Cabo Legado where intel is limited and much of the fighting and interaction may well be off the uh, uh, the primary uh, communication arteries at the moment. So it's, uh, you know, more classic sort of counterinsurgency uh, operations. And, and if you don't have the assets to do that, and that isn't part of a wider plan uh, around counterinsurgency for the province, then at best, this is not going to be much more than a containment and a reactionary force. Piers Pigou, thanks ever so much. I feel like I understand the issues around the regional allies' deployments to Mozambique so much better thanks to this conversation, and I'm sure our listeners do too. This has been the Zetamar podcast brought to you by Zetamar News, the leading English-language source of intelligent news and analysis on Mozambique. Check out our website at www.zetamar.com. Sign up to our newsletter at zetamarnews.substack.com. 
and subscribe to this podcast on an increasing number of platforms, including Spotify and Pocket Casts. Thank you.